Praise the Lord. Amen. Good afternoon. What a joy it is to be with you. Whenever I come here, I'm always reminded of uh, those days when I was part and parcel of this congregation. I'm still part of it, but that time it was a special connection. And uh, this place has made some of us what we are. And so you are being here, don't take it for granted. Amen? Amen. Don't take it for granted. Let me ask you to do some small thing. Those of you who have come with your phones, just raise them up. Those of you who came with your phones, those of you who have your phones, raise them up. The phones, the phones, the phones, the mobile phones, raise them up. Thank you very much. You may put them down. Let us pray. Loving Father, this afternoon as we sit at your feet to hear your word, may you touch our hearts and incline them towards you that in all aspects we may be obedient to you. As I share your word, use me as the vessel and channel you've chosen. Cleanse me, Lord, by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, and use me to speak to your people. Open our ears and our hearts to receive your word. That indeed our hearts and lives will be like fertile soil on which your word falls and produces fruit, fruit that lasts. May you silence every other voice so that we may hear you speak to us. We ask all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Before I share what I was asked to share, I would like to thank God for bringing us this far. I was with His Grace, the Archbishop of the Church of Uganda somewhere, and he amazingly, which caught my attention, said, if you look at the people who make caskets and coffins, and many of them are believers. What is their prayer? Lord, bless us, prosper us, isn't it? Through our business. Isn't it? But can you imagine, of all the coffins that were made in 2022, yours was not there. You think it is a joke? It is not. So we need to thank God. Every day that God gives us like this, we need to thank God. And we need to acknowledge his grace that keeps and sustains us on a daily basis. I also want to thank all of you, and especially the Christians of All Saints Cathedral, for the support 
the love and the prayers you extend to us as the leadership of the diocese and of the church. At times I just sit and wonder, what did I do in a special way that I received such a love from you people? So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for loving us. We have a project, and that project is called Plot 8 Lugard Road is Ours. I don't know if you heard about that project. How many of us heard about that project? Just put up your hand if, you heard, if you've heard about that project. Plot 8 Lugard Road is Ours. You may put down your hands. We have never changed our position about that and we still believe that Plot 8 Lugard Road is ours. And so please join with us in prayer as well as to see that we acquire Plot number 8 to be ours. Some of us have been here long enough when we saw Plot number 2 Lugard Road was acquired. It was bought I remember very well, at 90 million Uganda shillings during those days. Then plot number six, then plot number four, and now plot number eight has to be ours. Amen? Amen. I also know that the new sanctuary has reached a critical point, and as the secretariat at the diocese, will continue to do whatever it takes to walk this journey together so that we have the work completed and that we'll be able to move there to worship the Lord. We also commit ourselves to ensure that we mobilize the churches within the diocese to walk the same journey so that we complete that work because the cathedral is a diocesan cathedral. It doesn't just belong to All Saints Parish. It is a diocesan cathedral. And so every one of us in the diocese has to put a hand in order to see that work completed. I extend greetings from the diocesan and the assistant bishop together with my colleagues to you all in the name of Jesus Christ. I'd like to thank the provost and the pastoral team in a special way for inviting me to be part and parcel of this uh, congregation today. May the Lord continue to bless them and bless you. I was asked to share on the topic, obedience, the key to spiritual growth. Obedience, the key to spiritual growth. There are two words that stand for me very, very clearly and importantly. And that is obedience, and the second one is spiritual growth. And let me ask us to look at what the two of these words mean. According to the Complete Christian Dictionary, obedience is a noun of the adjective obedient, which means obeying or willing to obey, 
doing what one is ordered to do. And it comes from the verb obey, which means to follow the commands of, to do what one is asked or ordered to do. And I want to thank you so much. When I asked you to raise your phones up, you did not ask any question, you simply raised them up. <laughs> thank you so, so much. You can clap for yourselves. That was one of the tests of obedience. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, this is what the word of God says, and I want to read it quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 11 to 14. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Friends, two things stand out as we talk about obedience. Number one is that each and every one of us has the capacity to obey. Amen? Every one of us has the capacity, the ability to hear and listen and to act on what we are asked to do. So that's number one thing. The second thing is that it is for our own good when we obey. It is for our own good if I could quote some African proverbs, the child who is obedient will not have strokes on the back. The child who is obedient will not have strokes on the back. In other words, when you obey, you will not get those sticks to, you know, to be used on you. That's an African proverb. The Bible states that by exhortation and commandment we are required to submit, we are required to obey. And there are six principal authorities that we need to obey. The first one is our parents. That God requires us or the word of God requires us to obey. We must obey our parents in all things. And it goes with the promise. And what is the promise? What is the promise? So that it may be well and we may live long in the land our God gives us. That is the promise. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Colossians chapter 3 verse 20. And 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 4. So, obey your parents. Number two. Obey your teachers. Today I'm taking the position of that teacher. 
Proverbs chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. Those who teach the word of God, you ought to obey them. Number three is to the wives to obey their husbands in all things. Not some things, in all things. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. 23, 24. We ought, wives ought to obey their husbands. The fourth area of obedience is to our masters or our employers, if we have to use today's language. Obey your masters or your employers. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, 5 and 6. Oh, sorry. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, rather. I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. So, we ought to obey our employers. When you sign a contract with them to give them eight hours per day, five days a week, you must be faithful to do that. It is for your own good because then you'll be blessed. The fifth principal authority that we must obey are those who are in authority over us. All those who are in authority over us, we ought to obey. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, and verse 5. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. The sixth and the last, and not the least, in fact, the most important is to obey God. We ought to obey God in every aspect. So those are six principal authorities that we need to obey and without any negotiation. The second word I would like us to look at is spiritual growth. And I want to divide them into two. The complete dictionary, Christian dictionary, defines growth as the process of growing and developing. Increase in numbers or amount. That's what this dictionary defines growth as. And the word spiritual is defined as of the human spirit, not physical and not mental. And spirit has to do with a person's state of mind or mood. So when we talk about the state of mind of a person, we're talking about the mindset. The mindset. And our mindset informs our behavior and our character. 
what you think and what you have in your heart will be reflected in what people see you doing. So the question to you and to me is, what informs your mindset? What informs your mindset? For us to be obedient to God and his commands, there must be a remarkable development and engagement of our mindset as well as our heart. If the word of God informs our human spirit, there is going to be spiritual growth. And as a church, if our mindset is built on God's word, then we'll be able to grow numerically or quantitatively and qualitatively. So obedience, therefore, brings growth in one who develops his or her mindset on the word of God. In Deuteronomy, the passage that was read, chapter 5, verse 29, this is what God was telling Moses to tell the children of Israel. All that their hearts will be inclined to fear me and to keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Friends, for us to be obedient, we need to check our hearts. Are we inclined towards God? Are we inclined to the things of God? Do we love the things of God? Do the things that concern God excite us, encourage us, make us feel joyful and comfortable? When I was in primary four, there was a simple experiment we were made to do. We were asked to plant a seed. We put it in a certain container and then covered the whole container with the some object which is opaque so that no light will come in in any way. But open one side. Just a small opening where light will get through. Now, to the amazement of some of us, when the seedling came out of the soil, it bent towards the source of light. And I know we have done that experiment, all of us at some point or the other. Now, if that is what such a simple plant does, that when there is growth and the shoot comes out and it bends towards the direction of light, how about you and me 
created in the image of God, in the likeness of God, how willing, how, how, how do we, how can we be inclined to the source of life that is God himself? Do we have that capacity that, yes, any moment that we're inclined towards God. So that is something that we need to take note of because, you know, there are lessons we learn around that should teach us. I always say this, that everywhere we go, it is a classroom. But are we willing to learn lessons from those simple, simple things of life so that it brings the spiritual experience in our lives? I know many of us keep dogs. We, are, we instruct them to obey us. And they do it by the letter. By the letter. May God give us the grace to be like such so that our hearts are inclined to obeying the Lord in every way. In every way. In John 14, verse 23 and 24, I want to read this quickly for us. John 14, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 23 and 24. This is what the Word of God says. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. The key thing that I want to bring out here is that a heart that obeys God is a heart that loves God. So ask yourself, do you have God's love in your heart? Every Sunday as we come, we are reminded of the summary of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul. Isn't it? How often do we exhibit that love in terms of obeying what God tells us to do. I want to bring some contrast to this. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 to 8, this is what the word of the Lord says. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become, that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them, but no found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This has to do with inclination of our hearts. The people during Noah's time were inclined to do wicked things, 
evil things. And what happened? They brought judgment on themselves. You can't imagine of all things, of all things in our time, the General Synod of the Church of England decided to say and resolve that priests should bless same-sex marriages. And yet, they are supposed to be the custodians of the word of God. And in several places, including Leviticus, the Bible is explicitly clear that a man should not sleep with a fellow man like with a woman. Same sex. But what is happening? We think it is okay. The other thing they want to do now is to make sure that the reference to God as he is completely removed. And I was reasoning out if that is what it is. Is that the God Almighty we are talking about? Or it is the God that we, are, we have created for ourselves? Because the God you have created for yourself, you can refer to him in whatever way. But if it is the God who created you, he is indescribable. He is indescribable. We cannot describe him. We cannot understand him fully. So at the end of it all, we cannot bring him to our level. Friends, we cannot bring him to our level. Let's leave God to be himself as God in every way. Issues of the heart are so central in determining our destiny. And that is what Noah chose. Noah chose to be righteous. Noah chose to be separate from the people of his time. And we read about him in the Bible that Noah was a righteous person. He feared God. So even in the midst of whatever we're experiencing, can we distinguish ourselves to be like Noah? To be righteous people. No matter what is happening. On 1st of February, I was uh, on a talk show on UBC TV. And one of the things I said, yes, we are seeing the West doing whatever they are doing. But I'm also aware of those who have distinguished themselves to be separate and they don't want to bow to whatever is being dictated upon them and want to stand with them because we want to stand on the truth of the word of God. So we can, we can. If Noah did, if the others in the church of North America have been able to, we can. In Matthew 12, verse 33 to 37, this is what the word of God, uh, Jesus was telling his disciples. 
and he said this, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So the question as you sit, what is stored in your heart? Are they good things? Because if they are good things, they will be seen in the things that you do, the things that you speak, the things that you stand for. We are talking of corruption in this country. We're talking of gender-based violence in this country. We're talking of grabbing of land in this country. And so many other evils. Where is it originating from? It is from the heart. Let us not blame anybody. Let us rather check ourselves to say, what kind of heart do I have? Is it the right one? Is it a good heart? Do I have good things stored in my heart? A heart inclined to God and seeks after God and his righteousness will always experience spiritual growth. A heart that is inclined to evil and wickedness will experience spiritual destruction. So may God give us the grace to have our hearts inclined towards him. No wonder David cried out in Psalm 51 from verse 6. This is what the word of God says. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be quieter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Such is the confession and prayer of a heart that is inclined to God. And you know, David is bringing this out even after he had fallen off. When he realized he had fallen off, he brings out this. And at the end of it all, who is David referred to as? A man after God's own heart. Beloved, even in our weaknesses, in our failures, in our shortcomings, when we incline our hearts to the Lord, God will turn everything around in our lives. How I pray, God will give us such a heart to desire from within our hearts to be inclined and obedient to him and to godly things. What are the benefits of obedience? I want to bring a few things quickly. First of all, it will go well with you. 
It will go well with you. Those of you who attended the first or second service, and if you're here, please don't answer this question I'm going to pose to the others. How old do you think I am? How old do you think I am? Sorry? 56. Thank you. Any other answer? Sorry? 60. 65. 55. Right. Thank you very much for your answer. Actually, on 5th of September last year, I celebrated my 62nd year. And this is about God's grace, not about me. It is by the grace of God. Amen. Because what did I do to deserve this? Nothing. Purely God's gift. And I can proclaim that it will be well and it goes well with one whose heart is inclined towards God. And that, again, is not our effort. It is by the grace of God. Amen? Two, God will give you life and prolong your life and will prosper you in every way. Because it is his promise and he is faithful to his promise. He is. He is. Some of us were not born in a health center or in a hospital. We are born in the bush. My, 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 my mother showed me where I was born in 1960, in the bush. But can you imagine what God has done for me to be the Dyson Secretary? It is by the grace of God. Thirdly, the one who loves the Lord and obeys him, God will be with him in whichever place, no matter whatever situation. It may be very difficult, trying experience you are going through, but God will be there with you to uphold you because it is his promise. No wonder David had to say this in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. Then he said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Can you imagine that kind of thing? Just obey him. Just obey him. You will see what God will do. Number four. All the promises God has made will come to fulfillment in your life, including eternal life, if you obey him. Number five, as is recorded in Psalm chapter one, you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. Whatever you do will prosper. That is God's promise if you obey him. Number six, the Lord will watch over you and over your going out and your coming in 
That's what God has promised to do. So as I conclude, I want to bring three things. Number one, everything in this world operates on the principle of obedience. Everything, everything in this world. On 12th of December last year, I had an experience. I was supposed to be here and I intended to be as early as possible. I get out of the house and get into the car and turn on the engine. No response. I try again, no response. I try again, no response. I call the mechanic, please come to my help. I thought he would rush quickly. One hour passed. It was coming to two hours. I said, I am late. I had to jump on a border to rush here. That was the experience. But let me bring it closer to you. The fact that you are here is because a certain machine called your car was able to obey without question whatever you commanded it to do, isn't it? That's why you're here. Imagine you turned on the engine and it didn't respond. Will you be here? Possibly you'll be in the garage or something will be happening. But the fact that that car obeyed you without any question is a lesson to us. Are we as obedient as these things that we use in life? So, everything in this world operates on the principle of obedience. Number two, do not be concerned about what you will get out of obedience. Do not be concerned about what you'll get out of obedience to God. Simply obey the Lord. The rest of the things shall be his responsibility. That's what he requires of us. Just obey. The rest of the things will just follow. Just as is stated in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What will happen? All these other things, name them. It is a blank check that has been given, but the condition, the key is obey. Just one word, obey, obey, obey. The third thing, to have an obedient heart, you need to feed it on the right stuff. The right feeding will incline our hearts towards God, just as the shoot of a plant will be inclined towards the source of light. So, what informs your heart and your mindset? It's very important. 
if you feed it with the word of God, if you're obedient to the word of God, then the rest of the things will simply follow. May the Lord bless us.